Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. Mark chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. It says, In those days the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and, and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Jesus will never send you away hungry. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said, oh, excuse me, he said to them also before them, so they ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away immediately, got into the boat with his disciples, and came to the region of Delmantha. Delmantha. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for what you're going to do, what you're going to say. We thank you that you love us and that you want us, God. You don't push us away and you don't leave us hungry. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? Um, You can greet somebody with a Y5 from far away. Um, Thank you. All right. I I don't know when we're going to be able to greet like we used to, but it's okay. We're good. Well, it's good to see everybody. You guys happy to be in the house of God today? It's good to see you. Man, I'm, listen, can I just make a statement right here? If you feel like dancing during worship, don't let anybody tell you not to dance. If you feel like coming up to the altar and worshiping, don't let anybody tell you to stay in your seat. Please, please, all right? All right? I, I like to put it this way. Just, just go until, until someone says stop, all right? Don't wait for permission. Just do it, right? So we don't like to put a cap on worship. Amen. Because God deserves the praise. And so today's message, um, we're, we're not really in a theme. I'm just kind of going with what God has been saying throughout the week and just trying to hear the voice of God, especially in times like this. Um, I heard somebody say, we, we can't preach series, we have to preach seasons, right? And so um, that's Pastor William McDowell. One, if you don't listen to his sermons, I encourage you to go listen to him, uh, search him up. He's an amazing preacher, Deeper Fellowship out there in Orlando, Florida, and so... Um, today's message is entitled Broken Bread. And I was just seeking the Lord, like, God, what do you want to say to us? And he, he brought me to Mark chapter 8, and he began to show me some things in the scripture that I believe will help us because the scripture is meant to help us. Amen? Okay, so Mark chapter 8, verse 1 through 10, we've read it. Jesus has fed the 4,000, and this is the second time this miracle has taken place or a miracle of this type has taken place just a couple chapters before we see he feeds the 5,000, now Jesus is feeding the 4,000. And actually, 4,000 in the scripture is men only. And um, what, is, what the number looks like is more about 16,000, which is absolutely insane because he fed them with, I believe it was seven loaves. And, and Jesus took care of it. And so what he does is Jesus breaks the bread and begins to multiply it. 
And so Jesus, what he's showing us in the scripture, if you look at the other one, it says he had compassion for them because they were lost without a shepherd. And there was a spiritual compassion. And you look at this scripture, Jesus says, I have compassion for them because they're physically tired. And so he says, I want to make sure that they are able to go back to their home. Like I said before, Jesus never leaves you hungry. When you get around Jesus, he will always give you something to sustain you until the next place. And so Jesus is saying, I don't want them to leave hungry. I want to feed them. So what do you have? But we all know when Jesus does something, there's a much deeper meaning behind what he's doing. Amen. So the bread, as we look into scripture, Jesus often reveals himself as the bread of life. This bread, I believe, is a representation of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 35, it says, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus, what did he do when he got the bread? He broke it. Say broke it. Okay, I just want to make sure you're with me. Okay, he broke the bread, and when he broke it, he multiplied it. Okay, we're going to go somewhere today, okay? So bear with me. When he broke it, he multiplied. Now, Jesus, we all know that his body was broken. Jesus, the bread of life, body was broken for what? The nourishment or the restoration of all mankind. And so Jesus, being the bread of life, is one that is willing to be broken for the sake of others. Now, the, the, the crowd that he's giving this bread to was a crowd who was identified as tired and weak. And the other crowd was identified as lost, spiritually lost without a shepherd. And Jesus gives the bread to those that are spiritually lost and physically tired. This is a representation of the bread of life. Now, if we look around today, we notice that our world is tired. Have you noticed that, that people are a little bit tired? Are you, are you a little bit tired of what's been going on? It's like one thing after another, after another. It's like, God, when are we going to catch a break around here? But it's, it feels like the world is, is physically tired and spiritually lost. So if there is ever a time that the bread of life is needed, it's most obvious right now. Can I say this, that, that, and I, I get the idea behind it because I've wanted to say it too, that it's like, Lord, we need you now more than ever. But the truth is this, is that we've always needed him just the same. We're just beginning to see the evil that's inside the world, the, 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 the chaos, the confusion, and, and, and these, these, these seasons that we don't want to go through, but for some reason we have to. I believe, and me and Brother Gary were talking about this, and we've all talked about this, I believe that God is setting this up for a, for a mass revival. People are going to come to Jesus because of what's happening right now. And we're going to be a part of it. We're going to see it happen. But Jesus, in this, in this moment, in the story of Mark chapter 8, Jesus sees these people. They're tired. They're hungry. They're weary. They've been walking with him for three days. He's like, they have had nothing to eat. Jesus showing his empathy at this point because Jesus also went through 40 days without food. And he's like, I know what it's like to not eat. I've been through what you've been through. So because I've been there with you, I know how you feel. The scripture tells us that he is, our, our, he is one who's been through what we've been through. He's gone through what you've gone through. And so because he has, he says, well, I know what you're feeling, and I want to make sure that I sustain you 
through that season. But of course, when, when Jesus looks at the tired world or the tired people, the tired group, and he says, hey, we got to feed them, what's the first thing the disciples say? Well, how? We, <laughs> there's 16,000 people here, man. Like, how do you expect us to feed them? And they were also in a place that was more of a, a des deserted type of place. It didn't have a lot of, uh, there was no marketplace around. It was, they, were, they were just there. Seven loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And Jesus asked them, he's like, well, well how can, we need to feed them. And they're like, well, how can we feed them? We don't, we don't have anything. Because see, in seasons like this, it's hard to see how God can provide. It's really hard to see how God is going to come through all of this. Right? Like, God, what, what are you doing? I mean, a lot of us are asking that question, whether it's to God or to ourselves. Like, what is going on? God's like, well, I'm going to bring revival. Well, how? Like, how is this going to happen? Because what I look at it and see, I see a lot of division. I see a lot of brokenness. I see a lot of tired people. And you're talking about revival. You're talking about feeding 16,000 people with seven loaves. I don't see it. Right? How many feel like that? God, I don't really get it. I don't really see it. I know as a pastor, he's telling me, son, I'm bringing revival. You're going to have an increase. There's going to be a, a lot of people. And I'm like, I'm like looking around like, uh, I, don't, I don't really see it right now, Lord. I don't, I don't get it. But if you say it, he can do it. Then Jesus warns them in Mark chapter 8. Oh, excuse me, Mark chapter 8, eight, chapter eight verse 4 is when they asked him, how can these people be satisfied? How can you give them bread? See, they doubted the power of God. They began to think like a Pharisee. Chapter 8, verse 11 through 12, it says, Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, he was just frustrated, right? Like, ah, oh. <sighs> Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. Jesus, we see in later verses, as we'll go through, he, he rebuked the disciples. Why are you beginning to think like this? And he says, don't let leaven spoil the bread. Don't let what they're thinking and how they're thinking Enter into your mind and your heart because when it enters into your mind and your heart, it begins to spoil who you are in Christ. And he says, don't let leaven spoil the bread. Well, what is leaven? Some people would say, well, it's doubt. And I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. What I believe leaven is, is it's pride. Because pride will say, I won't believe it until you show me. Doubt is more like, I really want to believe it. I want you to show me. I want to see it. Pride is like, no, no, no. I'm not going to move until you show me. You, you know, you get the attitude behind that, right? Like, uh-uh. I'm not doing anything until you show me, right? Like when we have those conversations in our marriage, like, I ain't saying sorry until you show me, right? Oh, that's just me and my wife. Oh, forgive me. <laughs> forgive me. Man, I'm alone in this one? Man. I'm not going to clean this mess until you 
tell me that has, this, I'm just ranting over here now. <laughs> but leaven is, it's pride. It's, it's this challenging of God's ability to provide. Right? I'm not going to give until you give to me first. I'm not going to believe until you show me a sign. And Jesus is like, man, I just fed 16,000 people with seven loaves of bread. You've seen me open the blind eye. You've seen me cast out the spirit. You've seen me lift up the paralyzed person and see them walk. You've seen all these things, and yet you're still looking for a sign? He's like, don't let leaven settle in. But see, leaven subtly creeps in in times like these. It subtly creeps into your heart in seasons of, of troubles and seasons like of confusion and a lot of burden, a lot of weight. It's this leaven that, that creeps in and it's like, God, no, you can't do this. God, can you really do this? Because I, I just don't see it happening. It's this pride that sets in within our hearts. And Jesus warns them in 8.13. He says, and he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take, to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of, he of Herod. See, how did leaven get into their heart? You look at this story. Jesus feeds the 4,000. Previously, in a couple chapters before, he feeds the 5,000. So how did leaven enter into their heart? Well, let's, let's, let's read Mark chapter 8, verse 16 through 21. And they reasoned amongst them, among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus, aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart so hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Stand. So how did leaven creep in to their hearts? See, impossible situations create opportunity for doubt and pride. Impossible seasons like we're in right now create opportunity for the enemy to plant in some leaven into your heart. To begin to look around and all we see is the bad. All we see is the negative. All we see is things that are wrong. And God's like, no, could you see something good? Could you have a little bit of faith? But it's kind of hard to have faith when it seems impossible. See, it wasn't just doubt. It was pride. Now, look, let's jump to Mark chapter 9. There's this, there's this father. He has a son. His son is demon-possessed. Yes, demons can possess people. This is true. His son is demon-possessed, and he goes to the disciples, and the disciples can't cast him out. And so Jesus comes on, and the man's like, hey, you know, they couldn't do it. Verse 21, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to you? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help him. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now listen, this is a very important scripture. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
It wasn't doubt. It was pride. Because his father is being honest about his situation, saying, I have doubt, but help me to believe. Like, I really want to, but can you help me? Because right now I don't. Has anybody ever had a prayer moment like that? Where you're like, God, I, I, I really want to believe you, but there's something about this season that just I just can't. So could you help me in my doubt? God, I really want to believe that you can provide. God, I really want to believe that you can get me through. God, I really want to believe that I'm doing the right thing, but could you help me? Because right now, I don't really feel it. Right now, I feel a lot of doubt. I need you. See, the difference between this man and the Pharisee is the Pharisee said, show me before I come to you. And this man said, I'll come to you so you can show me. There was a major difference in their spirit and in their attitude. See, doubt, uh, even doubt by itself is not necessarily wrong as long as you go to the Lord. But any doubt that pulls you away from him, that's the doubt that is wrong. See, this is the moment where Jesus is is showing them that if they would just believe that he can, then he will. He's telling them, listen, don't let doubt and pride settle into your heart. Don't doubt that God can come through. Don't doubt that God can bring revival. Don't doubt that God can use your life. Don't doubt that he can use your life. See, don't let leaven settle in. Don't let the leaven of the world settle in because right now, listen, listen, right now, the world needs to see your faith. I was meeting with a, a pastor the other day. We were, we were uh, sitting down. We were at East Social, great coffee shop right here in Huddo. You should, you should go visit it. It's wonderful. And we're sitting down and, and we begin to talk about what God is doing. And I begin to say, you know, I don't know if I'll ever see the world change but I think I could see the city change. I, I don't know if we're ever going to be a part of the, like you're talking about, well, I mean, I could have faith, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Just change the world around you. Just let the world around you see your faith. Just let your family see your faith. Just let your coworkers see your faith. Just let those people that are close to you see that you believe that God is still good even in this season. Don't let leaven settle in because the world needs to see your faith. The world needs this bread. But see, the bread couldn't be multiplied until it was broken. Because what is broken in the hands of God is multiplied. When God takes a broken person, when God takes a broken individual and you get into the hands of God, then you're no longer wasted pieces but you're multiplied. See, the bread that was given to the hands of Jesus, when he broke it, what did he do? He stretched it and made what was once not enough become more than enough. See, what was once only seven loaves became seven baskets because it was broken. Say broken. Broken. You know, the seven baskets were not seven little baskets, but these were baskets that a full-size man could fit into. These were big baskets, and we see that seven is filled up and taken away. See, when God takes broken pieces, you may be broken, but you're not wasted. 
You may be broken, but you're not thrown out. We may be broken people, but we're not useless. We're not good for nothing. Right? Like the song says, we're not forsaken. We've got a place. I have a place where I belong. Can I, can I be honest with you? I'm a broken person. There's things in my life, or at least were in my life, definitely before I met Christ, genuinely, that I realized that I was a broken individual. You ever have those moments like, why do I struggle with this? Because we are broken. Why do I struggle with anxiety? Why am I struggling with depression? Why am I struggling with anger? Why am I always yelling? Why am I always fighting? Why, why can I never see my self-worth? You know why? And this is not a knock on anybody because this is the truth about everybody is that we are broken people. We're broken. If you're looking for a perfect church, this is not the one because this church is full of a lot of broken people. You ever wonder why, why church hurt is the worst hurt? Because it's a lot of broken people trying to deal with each other. But we're broken individuals, and the truth is right now, right now, when you get into the hands of God, a piece of broken bread becomes a miracle. A broken person becomes a miracle. You go from not enough to more than enough in the hands of God. And this world right now needs bread. The world right now needs your life. You ever, you ever look at your past and what you've been going through, maybe what you're going through now, you say, why, God, why did you let me go through that? Father, why, you, why did you let me feel that? And then you, do you, have you let, let, can you be honest with me for one second? I'm always honest with you. Let's be honest with each other, all right? Have you ever been upset with God because he made you go through something that you didn't want to go through? Is that anybody in this room? Right? God, why? <laughs> why? Yeah, why? God, what, what's, what's up with this? Why did you? Can I, can I say this, that you're not broken for nothing? Sometimes God will let us go through something so we can see how broken we really are. You're like, I thought I, could, I, th I thought I could handle that, right? I thought I could handle this. But then you get through it. You're like, why can't I do it? God's like, well, if you would get into my hands, if you would get into my presence, then your broken pieces would be multiplied. Then your broken situation would become a miracle because broken pieces in the hands of God are miracles. Tough times were never meant to break you and keep you broken. Tough times are a sign that say, I need God to restore me. I need God to use me. I need God to multiply my life so that I can be a, a blessing to somebody else. You are called to be stretched by God. You're called in the hands of God. He gets you. He breaks you. Because your old identity as one piece of bread wasn't good enough for what he wants to do with your life. When you thought you were whole, right? That, that one loaf. I thought I was whole. Why is it when I got saved I feel broken? Why is it now that I'm coming to church Things are falling apart because maybe he got what you thought was whole and enough and he broke it so that he can say who you used to be. That's not who I called you to be. The, the identity that you used to identify with 
That's not who I called you to be, so I have to break you. You know what's funny is Jesus didn't make the bread, but he broke it. Somebody else made that bread. Do you ever feel like you've been put together by the opinions of other people? Do you ever feel like it's the negative words that have been placed on your life that created your identity? Well, I guess I must be like that because that's what my parents told me my whole life. I guess I must be irritating because all these relationships that I've been in, that's all they've been telling me. I guess I must be that way because that's who they say I am. But then when you get in the hands of God, you're like, why do I feel broken? Because when you were whole, you were never your, it was never your true identity. God had to break it. You're not that. You're not an outcast. You're not hated. You're not annoying. You're not irritating. He's breaking these pieces off. Who you used to be, God doesn't want, he's never called you to be that. So he had to break the bread. He broke it so that it would be multiplied. And you say, well, why is he breaking me? Why would he do that? Sometimes it feels like we're broken and we're left. God, why am I, I feel by myself. Anybody ever felt alone? God, I feel so alone right now. I feel like you did all these things in my life, and now it's just like a bunch of pieces on the floor. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who would begin a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God uses broken people. He doesn't break us and leave us. He breaks us and he multiplies us. He begins to put us into people's lives that we're there to help them. He begins to put us in a tired world and bring nourishment to those that are tired and those that are weak and those that are lost and those that are without a shepherd. He begins to break us and puts us into people's hands that we could say, hey, listen, you know, I know you feel lost, but there's a shepherd who loves you. There's a God who loves you. And there's nourishment for that tired soul. He breaks us to multiply us. Abraham and Sarah, they were broken over the fact they couldn't have a child. God called them out of their season of brokenness. Moses was basically cast out of Egypt because he was a murderer. In his season of brokenness, God called him. You look at Joseph in his season of brokenness when his, when his brothers threw him in the ditch and left him and he, he got caught in a slavery and went through all that he went through. God called him in a season of brokenness. You look at Paul or who was formerly Saul on the road to Damascus. God called him in a, in a moment of brokenness. You look at Peter. When was he restored? He was restored after a moment of brokenness of denying Christ. God uses broken people in their broken season right we're like God we want to be used by God but he's like wait I want to pull you right now right where you're at right now don't wait to be whole because when we try to make ourselves whole when we come to God he's like why did you do why did you put that there why did you make yourself no 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 let him make you whole the breaking of the bread was for nourishment of others because broken people in the hands of God are miracles I have a really cheesy poem to share with you. Can I share it? Yeah. I shared it with my wife yesterday, and she didn't say anything, so it may not be that good. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, okay. That's, that's good. I didn't write it, okay? Well, she says it's good. All right, good. <clears throat> I, I, this is one of my favorite poems. It's kind of long, okay? I'm nervous. <sighs> I feel like it's like open mic night at a... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay, let me gather myself. It's called The Old Violin. Anybody heard the old violin poem? Oh, yes, okay. 
Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. One of my big good people, he cried, who starts the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, do I hear two, two dollars, who makes it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-bearded man came forward and picked up the bow. I'm trying not to, like, say it in a storytelling voice, but... <laughs> then, <laughs> then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings, he played a melody pure, pure and sweet, as sweet as the angel sings. The music ceased. The auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What now am I bid for this old violin as he held it aloft with its bow? One thousand, one thousand, do I hear two? Two thousand, who makes it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried, We just don't understand what change it's worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune, all battered and bruised with hardship, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he is going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. That, I'm, a, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to do it. Broken people, when people can't see your worth, when people can't see your potential, you know, God calls the people that everybody else would be like, why would you call them? They're broken. They're old. They're, they're all done with. God's like, just wait till I get my hands on them. Just wait till I grab them and begin to show you their potential. Begin to show you what they can become. You know, I hope that as you come into our church that you're not bound by your old identity by what people used to say about you and what they think about you. Who cares? Who cares? What does God think about you? And God uses broken people. And I'm going to end with this last point. Babe, if you can come up, please. Broken bread. Broken bread. Jesus was ultimately the, the bread that we speak of. I use the brokenness of the bread to kind of show us that it's okay to be broken. It's okay. I have not met a whole individual once in my life. I've met people who've became whole once they got into the presence of the Lord. But I've never met a person who's been whole without Christ. Because the bread that was broken was really a representation of the bread of life. Jesus, that he was broken for the nourishment of people. Jesus' body was broken on the cross. He was beaten, bruised for the sin of the world, past, present, future. This is the bread of life that we speak of, that, that Jesus would be broken. But why, would, why did Jesus have to be broken? Jesus had to be broken and he had to ascend so that he could be multiplied. Listen to this. John 16, 5 through 7 says, But now I go away to him who sent me. 
and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the help, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Why did he have to be broken? So that he can be multiplied. How was he multiplied? He was multiplied when he ascended to heaven and his spirit came down. We say this all the time that Jesus was God with us. Holy Spirit is God in us. Jesus had to be broken so the spirit could come and be multiplied and enter into individuals. The revival that we see today, I looked up and I looked at past revivals. It's crazy what God has done. That would have never happened if Jesus was never broken. We would have never seen the Holy Spirit fall on the day of Pentecost. We would have never heard about that. We would have never seen the 3,000 come to Christ. We would have never seen the revivals in China. We would have never seen the Azusa Street revival. We've never, we would have never seen this happen if he had never been broken and ascended and sent down his spirit. He had to be broken so he can be multiplied. You get where we're going. 1 John 4, 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We know this. He's in us. Why? Because he was broken. Because he was broken. And this broken bread is not available just to good people. It's not available just to people who've got it together. It's not available just to church people. It's not available just to Christians. It's not available to a certain type of person. The bread of life is available to anybody who would ask. Anybody who would ask. This bread offers real life. Jesus, the bread of life, is the only thing that can truly satisfy you. He's the only one that can satisfy your life. He's the only one that will give you the breakthrough that you're looking for. He's the only one that brings real life. John 6, 26 says, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, seek me not because you saw the signs, but because, oh, excuse me, not, yeah, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Jesus is like, you're just looking for me for this physical bread. John 6, 53 through 58, then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in him or no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now a little bit of this story. They're coming to Jesus for the bread. They don't understand the spiritual weight of what he's doing. And so, so what he does is he begins to tell them something that they could only understand by the spirit, which is eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, for those of people that are not of the spirit, they're like, man, you are a cannibal and I'm not about to do that. That is insane. But to those that, were a part, that, that had the spirit, they understood what he was saying. He says, I'm not... It's like manna from heaven, but not that your fathers had. What is he saying? He's saying, I was sent down from heaven to sustain, but the manna that's sustained in the Old Testament only sustained them for a certain period. Everybody who had manna eventually died. But those who have the bread of life, who is Jesus, will live forever. 
So what is he saying? He's saying, look, you're looking for this physical satisfaction. You're looking for this physical thing that you want from me, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that you can have me. That you can have Jesus. He's making it clear that he is the bread of life. And he says, you eat my flesh, you drink my blood, you'll never be hungry, you'll never be thirsty. Well, what does he mean by eating the flesh and drinking the blood? What he means by eating is eating is equal to believing. If you believe in him, if you put your faith in Jesus, you will never be hungry again. Now, what does that mean? That you never eat food? No, no, no. It means you'll never be hungry for the things of the world. Because you'll realize as soon as you have Jesus that the things of the world were fake satisfaction. It was false. It says, you, eat a, you believe in me, you'll never, be, you'll never go hungry. Jesus, was, Jesus is the broken bread for a broken world. Jesus saw the multitudes. He saw them. They were spiritually lost and physically tired. He says, let me feed them. Let me feed them. What do you have? Seven loaves. Okay, give that to me. Because when those loaves are broken in my hand, I multiply them. I know some of us are tired. And some of us are lost without Jesus. We are. You need, you need Christ. And that's exactly why he came as the bread of life to give us life and to sustain us. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.